Nurses and Hypochondriacs, the podcast that brings nurse experts, patients, and hypochondriacs together to discuss hot topics in healthcare. And here is your host, Ercilia Pompilio. Just how male are male nurses, also known as MERSES with an M. We are in a time where razor blade commercials threaten to cut off the scrotal sex of men, further purging their toxic masculinity. But are male nurses less of a man? Are they less empathic? Or do they adhere to more female gender roles? We are in a time where more men than ever are entering the nursing profession, formerly known as a female profession. And guess what? They're actually making more money. In this episode, we explore MERSES and toxic masculinity with my expert guests, Leo Oliva and Mark Roman. Having been an ER nurse, an ICU nurse for way longer than he ever imagined, Leo is in transition to his first big love, acting. After self-producing and writing his own feature film about nursing called The Shift, now playing on Amazon Prime, in which he also started alongside Danny Glover, Leo has been able to garner some consistent acting work over the years as a TV and film actor, slowly pulling him away from the bedside and more in front of the screen. Mark Roman is a writer, SAG after actor and busker. He's known for his Lieutenant Frank live improv character as seen on Hollywood Boulevard, at LA football tailgates, at Beecher's Madhouse, Vegas and Hollywood, in The Hollywood Reporter, and on KTLA 5 TV. Mark is podcaster in chief of Mark Roman Empire, also a podcast. And now, a word from our sponsor. Nurse Backpack is a free mobile app designed to help nurses and nursing students manage both their credentials and careers. The app is awesome and very easy to use. You take a photo of your credentials, licenses, immunizations, and other documents, and it's all stored on a secure cloud-based server. The app allows you to set up two different expiration date reminders so you can get a notification on your phone before anything ever expires. Nurse Backpack will even build a resume package for you. If you input your work history and specialties, then the app will package everything together into a professional PDF for you to send to anyone, allowing you to apply to your dream job with one click of a button. With Nurse Backpack, you never have to worry about losing another document, missing a shift due to expired licenses, or keeping track of all the paperwork. The app does it all for you. Click the link in the description at the end of this podcast to download the app for free today. Welcome, gentlemen, to the show. All right. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Cecilia. Cool. Well, I'm so glad we're doing this episode now and no better time. So much stuff going on in the media with male nurses with this New York Times article that was published earlier this month, and also all this toxic masculinity that's going on with this Gillette commercial. What is that? You just watch the commercial right now, Leo. Let's just talk about this, get it out of the way, and then we can go ahead and jump into 
immersed in the media. I, you know, I grew up in a household where masculinity was, it did not need to be identified. I, I, I think, and maybe I'm on the wrong side of this or I'm on my side of it, however you want to put it. But I, I, the idea of labeling something as toxic masculinity versus identity, right? I think we're, we're so, we're so hooked on the idea of trying to identify what everyone is and how everyone falls into play into their own category. And, and I, I'm, I'm so thrown off in all honesty, cause I've never dealt with, what toxic masculinity is. It's never been identified as something up until recently, at least. And in the nursing field, I've personally, again, now this is coming from a guy saying it, I've never dealt with or seen toxic masculinity. There seems to be- Because your dad was a nurse, right? Yeah, That's yeah, why you yes. went into the nursing profession. Your father was a nurse. He, you wanted to be an actor. Why don't you kind of go into that story? Because I think it ties in pretty well. Yeah, I so um, I I went into nursing because my dad suggested it more than anything else. I I wanted to do acting. That was my that was my thing. But when you grow up in what should be considered right a super toxic masculinity kind of environment, if we're going to use that phrase, um, a Cuban household, right? Machismo is what everyone talks about when they think about a Cuban household. I didn't grow up in that household. There was a lot of love in my household. Um, and the suggestion to go to nursing school was a suggestion made out of love so that I could pursue what I wanted to do with my life and to give back and to provide something in the process. Uh, so nursing became a means to an end. Granted, that's 12 years ago. I've been a nurse since 2006 at the bedside, taking care of people from ER to ICU, step downs, wherever I needed to be. Um, and, and it's provided a life for me and it's allowed me to provide more than just a life for people, but an opportunity to, to experience life. I, I don't know. I've had a good way to put it a little bit longer and a little bit better every now and then. Um, and in the process I've learned to write, I've learned to produce, I've gotten more into acting and acting has started to take over a lot of what my life is now. I've cut back on my nursing shifts and, and it's become more of a consistent job with the acting. But again, even with that, I, I even see acting as a way of giving back. So I care for people at the bedside as a nurse, but I can care for people at the screen side as an actor, you know, that, that that's a, and I, and I think that's a great point you're bringing up because what I feel that these commercials are trying to put out and the whole American Psychological Association's classification of what toxic masculinity is, and I'll go into that in a little bit, um, is that men are not empathic or they don't know how to be. And I, and I think, Mark, when I was on your show, we kind of were talking about that because we got into dating um, topics and about how gender roles are a little bit like men don't know what to do. We talked a, bit, a little bit about Pippi Le Pew. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, if I can uh, kind of tag on what Leo was talking about. First of all, Leo, um, if your family is adopting, uh, I'm uh, I'm volunteering. Here, so. <laughs> <laughs> My uh, it's it's kind of captured in uh, a couple of sound bites. On my podcast, uh, my father 
basically saying, shut up, Marilyn! Like, that kind of encapsulates Marilyn, of course, is my mother. That's what I grew up with. So uh, I would I would recognize that easily even before the, the term toxic max masculinity exists. I just, as even as a kid, I knew, like, this doesn't feel 100% right. I don't know how to articulate why, but I don't feel like this is the best a man can get, you know, or be, you know, to use the Gillette uh, phrase or catchphrase. Which I saw the commercial and I'm sorry, I just, I'm sure I'm struggling to see how my masculinity or any man's masculinity is in any way injured by that commercial. Um, I kind of, I feel, I feel like I had the same reaction when um, a new congresswoman from uh, the Bronx, I think, New York, uh, I hope I get her name correct here, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Ocasio, yeah. Ocasio-Cortez, I apologize, mm -hmm. congresswoman. Uh, she's awesome, I love everything she's doing. I like her. The little dance she did that just <laughs> a bunch of a certain type of dude just was losing their shit over like like the communists like it was red dawn and the communists were like flying in over the washington monument and taking over america uh, <laughs> i'm just like really she's 29 she's yeah it's pretty yes that it's pretty awesome she's got a lot of you know people excited for her her supporters her constituents she's setting history um and oh by the way her and her freshman class, which uh, still is not representative of the population, you know, uh, made history for the most women in Congress. But we still like, it's like what, a fourth of Congress is female? And it should be like at least half? I don't know. It just That's just math. So to me, I'm like, I'm struggling here as a dude trying to figure out why I'm supposed to be outraged by that. And I, the, the Gillette commercial is the same thing for me. And it just, it's like, you know, okay, we're in this post Me Too uh, moment. And as a guy, yeah, I, I, it feels uncomfortable. But you know what? That's a good thing. <laughs> like, if we're going through a process here as a culture, I think. And, and uh, as a dude, I've, you know, my gender has had so many benefits that I'm still trying to, like, wrap my brain around because I don't have to deal with not being a dude every day. Uh, I've had so what is what is your definition of being a dude every day like what is it that you have that you think you have to live up to like is there a, like a dude standard dude code I don't know well see I'm not even worried about that I'm just I'm, <laughs> I'm pointing out that I, I feel like there's privileges I enjoy as a dude that I don't even fully recognize that if I was a woman uh I'd be noticing all the time like I'll ask friends uh, and they'll tell me stories, um, female friends, and they're sharing me about how they try to politely let a guy know, look, I'm not that into you. And they're trying to have either a friendship with a guy or they're trying to have a work relationship with a guy, whatever it is. But it's like, look, I don't want to have sex with you. I just want to do this thing with you. Can we do that? And the guy's response is basically they don't hear her. It's true. And I, I and every time I hear this, it it blows my mind because that I don't experience that. I don't. I don't. I don't. That's have not it. you. I I know. I wrote a blog today. Well, I mean, I don't experience it the other way around. Like I'm I'm not 
I'm not every single day dealing with all of these women that I want to have some kind of connection with, but I don't want to have sex with them. And they keep telling me or, or showing me or touching me or basically making it really clear that, that, Hey, Mark, we, I want to fuck you. And that, that like permeates everything that our relationship is. I don't have that struggle. And I realize that's because I'm a dude. And I know that if I was a woman, I'd be dealing with that all the fucking time because the conversations I have with my, my female friends, it reflects that. And even my, my female friends that I feel like are really strong women. And I can look at a lot of different aspects of the life that, that speak to that and illustrate that they are. And I still feel like that they're very apologetic and understanding of these, these asshole guys that are just don't, they don't hear that no means no. And it just blows my mind. Well, I mean, it, it's going back to what we talked about on your podcast, um, the Mark Roman Empire, about how I, I think also men a do, also a podcast. Yes, um, I don't think men know how to act. I mean, I know Leo's married. Yeah, clearly, how 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 old have you, how how long have you been married now, Leo? We've been married for two and a half years, uh, but we've been together for over seven. Um, All right, on. I but see. And this is where it really comes down to, for me, I, I grew up in Miami. Miami is not the same as anywhere else that I can think of and that I've ever visited. And Miami is a place where, speaking of the sexuality, sexuality is a very open and honest thing. And It's very if, fluid uh, in Miami. Yeah. And mm -hmm. if, if you want to hook up with somebody, you hook up with somebody. If you don't want to hook up with somebody, you don't hook up with somebody. If they don't yeah. want to hook up with you, they tell you they don't want to hook up with you and you listen. And I think that's the key thing that's missing. Um, the listening. The listening. The listening. And, and, and it's and, also respect. I think listening goes with respect. It has to. Oh, yeah. To, you know, because if you're not, A, if you're not respectful of someone, you're not going to listen. Right? Because all you want to do is speak the whole entire time. You're just trying to talk because I'm not respecting your opinion or what you think in any which way. So that's, that's number one. And then, the, the other aspect, something that, that, that's kind of triggering because I've been hearing toxic masculinity so much lately. Oh, yeah. It's, it's very hot. Like I said, the, um, here, I'm going to get the quote from the it's American the Psychological. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to get the quote from the American Psychological Association that they just came up with a whole new definition for toxic masculinity. Um, here we go. Toxic masculinity is under attack. That's fine. And this is from Vox. I got this um, today and this came out, I think yesterday. And so here are the guidelines from the APA. Uh, is it? Okay. I'm writing this down. I'm literally taking no trade. <laughs> I'll send you the article. I'll send you the article. Deep listening. Earlier this month, the American Psychological Association released new guidelines for working with men that highlighted a substantial body of research pointing to some of the harmful effects that the constricted enculturation of traditional masculinity have on men and the people around us. Traits of so-called traditional masculinity, like suppressing emotions and masking distress, often start early in life and have been linked to less willingness by boys and men to seek help, more risk-taking, and aggression, possibly harming themselves and those with whom they interact. The APA tweeted as part of the guideline announcement, so that's what they tweeted, hold on, 
the new APA guidelines, which are designed for therapists working with men, suggest that clinicians be aware of their own gender bias so as to avoid misdiagnosis of male clients. Be aware of the way racism, homophobia, and transphobia shape male identity, as well as stereotypes about marginalized men, and get out, get out the message to men that they're adaptable, emotional, and capable of engaging fully outside of rigid norms. In short, the APA suggests that treating male clients will be more impactful if therapists factor in the documented risk factors associated with traditional masculinity, not seeking help, struggling and vulner with vulnerability in their treatment, and broadly remember to, fact to factor in masculinity as a gender identity when assessing the needs of their male clients. That is so confusing. I'm, I'm sorry. I feel like it's just over-explanation. It is. It's, 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 I think well, consider the, the source, but I, you know, I mean, that's, <laughs> I, I, didn't, I didn't have any problem with that. I feel like people get upset with men. They hear, you know, toxic masculinity is bad is what's said, but what men hear is masculinity is bad. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I agree. I think that's what churns in my stomach when I hear the word toxic masculinity. I'm like, what's, what's so wrong about being a man? But see, that's not the issue. When the very phrase toxic masculinity is not attacking men. And I think that's where men like they, they, they're, they quickly are lost in the conversation and they're no longer listen, which so, men generally have a d issue. You know, this, I am speaking so this, this, definition is, this definition is trying to outline where toxic masculinity starts and where masculinity ends in the definition that the APA is putting out. I think what they're trying to say Doesn't is that, that I think yeah. they're trying to say um, not to put aside men as not having any problems, as in depression, and, and you know able to connect with people. I, I think it's, it's to look at that more in detail and not just push it aside like, oh, you're a man, you don't have those problems. You mm -hmm. see what I'm saying? It's just a female problem. So, so maybe that's it. So, and Mark, maybe you, you, you seem to understand it better than I do. What is it? <laughs> I don't know about that. I, I just... <laughs> <laughs> maybe we can all figure it out together because I we'll don't. Try to. Don't it, but it, it's it's very it's causing mass confusion in the media and in Twitter. And then it's interesting that this comes out, and then the Gillette commercial comes out, which I right around Super Bowl, which is interesting, which is a very masculine sport. And last year, what was making a lot of waves was that whole Tide Pod commercial or that Tide Pod challenge where the kids were like eating Tide Pods. Oh my God. <laughs> you know, popping them in their mouth or whatever yeah, they were doing. Well thank you, reality. <laughs> so TV. this is the new I don't Tide think that... Pod challenge. It's the Gillette. Let's do the toxic masculinity challenge. <laughs> Are you I feel a like it's a conversation start. I don't feel like it's it's a, a clear cut um, definition. Yeah, it's like it's a beginning. It's a beginning point of a conversation that because, you know, I mean, let's face it. it, it men have been shitty through since the dawn of time on this planet, and we're just now starting to acknowledge. Like women have been able to vote 
for not even like what about a hundred years now here in the United States and we're supposed to be this shining example of a free nation uh, the city on a hill is as uh, the Christianoids like to say Christians whatever um, yeah I just I don't I don't get it I, I, I feel like can we listen to women for a second like how does my how does my masculinity ev get eviscerated because I stop for a second and listen to a woman I don't get that. How, why am I supposed to be threatened? But is that, is that what we're saying? That it's not, that we're not listening to women? Is that what the... Well, clearly. I mean, you look at just Congress, for example. If, if we're supposed to be a representative, you know, democracy or republic or however, whatever the po politics nerds want to say it is, bottom line is this. The population is about 51% female. Is there 51% women in the House of Representatives and or in the Senate? Oh, hell no. And we just came out of an election where the, the female representation broke records in history. So right. like literally when it comes to power, <laughs> the bottom line, because to the point of it's our not, democracy, it's not equal. women are not being listened to. Period. Like it's just pure math. It's not even, it's not up for debate. It's like there's about a hundred women in this country that should be representing a constituency and they should be in Congress right now and talking about how the shutdown perhaps could be ended um, like adults. Mm. And, and those hundred or so women, they're not in Congress yet because we're <laughs> still stuck in this patriarchy. Mm. I mean, it's just math. Like, I don't get I'm, as a dude, I'm, I'm struggling to identify with, with, with men that, that feel injured by the phrase toxic masculinity. I just, I don't, I don't get it. I'm going to go, I'm going to take that point and I'm going to jump into this article that I have right here that I got off of PubMed. Um, it's called Just How Male Are Male Nurses? Um, okay. And it was in the Journal of Clinical Nursing in 2008. And uh, so it was a study, you know, that was done. And it's the aim of the present research study was to elucidate quantitatively the gender role perceptions of male nurses in Ireland. So, which I've, you know, I've never been to Ireland, but I think it's a very masculine state. That's how I see it. But it's, sure. it's interesting how they've perceived it. Um, and the results were 104 men completed the inventory. Overall, the sample identified with more female than male gender norms. Specifically, 78 respondents identified themselves as adhering to more female gender role norms than male gender role norms, whereas 21 respondents identified more strongly with male gender roles. Five respondents identified equally with both gender roles. So it's, it's basically saying these male nurses that they surveyed feel that their roles are more feminine, which is interesting. So I, guess I don't know. Maybe, maybe this is part of it is we're trying to identify what feelings or thought processes are male or female. And I don't think, I don't think they're, they're individual to, to any gender specific, like caring or empathy is not only a female thing. So but but that's but that but see that's the bias that people have 
that is why in the nursing profession, they say, oh, it's mainly a female profession because only females are empathic. Crazy. No. It's, and, and it's crazy. It's crazy to me. I, I mean, and listen, by no means do I, I guess I fall under the normal guy guidelines, right? I'm, I'm a male nurse. I did theater in, in high school. I love film and television. I, 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 you know, all the things that I guess at some point someone could say you are more feminine. I'm doing, I did cheerleading. I was a professional cheerleader for four That's years. awesome. <laughs> But at you like George was, W. Bush, he was a cheerleader. I was better than George him. George W. Bush was a cheerleader. That's right. <laughs> yeah. We watched yeah, that was. movie W. W. Yeah. He was a Yale leader. A Yale leader. Okay. <laughs> Very different. We did we did competitive cheerleading. Um, I, Leo, I gotta know. What's the difference between uh a cheerleader and a yell leader? Yell leader. Oh, yell leader. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Back in the day, yell leaders what were what started out cheerleading which is okay. sidelines, um, what people today consider cheerleading, right? But if you go, I did um, competitive all-star cheerleading, which okay. traveled throwing girls in the air, doing gymnastics. Yeah, you had to hold the girls up in the air. Every time that I do a sports physical um, at, in clinic as a nurse practitioner and I get the guy cheerleaders, I'm like, you have the coolest job. You get to hold the girls in the air. And they're like, uh-huh. Uh, and, and maybe, that's, maybe that's why I'm having such a hard time grasping it because I, I don't, I don't delineate what makes me more masculine or less masculine based off of, do I care? Do I not care? Do I take it into consideration someone else's feelings or not? I, I think that makes me more of a man. I think the more empathic somebody can be empathetic. I think that's, that's what makes you more of a man. Maybe, I was, like you said, I don't, maybe I was just raised totally different. But a lot of men don't think that way, Leo. That's the thing. That's why that's why that's the need to have this conversation about toxic masculinity, because a lot of people who are men don't have your life experience. Yeah. How do unfortunately, we how do we give it to them? I, you know, I, I think I have a much, better, a much better relationship with women because of the fact that I don't. I, I mean, listen. High school was a great time for me. Cheerleading in, in high school and in college was a great time to me. I hung out with 15 girls on a day-to-day -day basis that were all my teammates, and we had an amazing time. And I hung out with guys, some of which were gay. Sexuality was a very open and honest thing, and I think it's made me a better person. I, I, That's I, an unusual <laughs> circumstance. Do you realize, I'm Leo? Stressing, yeah, stressing I'm stressing Leo. Out and I'm like, Leo's getting no, but Leo, you had a very healthy experience that more men need to have because, you know, you have these people. Well, this is why we're doing this podcast. Time. I mean, yeah. we've got to make know, cheerleading go, go ahead a national sport. We have yeah. to make all kids do cheerleading in elementary school, and middle school. Done. I think it's a great sport. <laughs> you know, I, I applaud my um, teen boys that come in yeah. and are going for cheerleading. I'm like, that is awesome. You know, and um, anyway. Moving right along. I'm gonna Likewise, it'd be cool to see women in the in Major League Baseball. Let's that do would it. be cool. Right? Yeah. What was that movie with Madonna? A League, League of Their, their own. own. A League of Their Own. It's a great film. Amazing movie. Yeah. Good watch. So, well, that's the other thing. That's what draws me to uh, to entertainment is because on the one hand, I just like, you know, I like to get a cheap laugh on that guy and I like the attention, but 
there's also the cerebral me that that imagines well maybe i can change one mind uh it really someone interviewed um uh well he's no longer with us uh he's with the chicago sun times film film reviewer it's on the tip of my tongue passed away recently or in like the last couple of years sat had like cancer half his jaw dropped off because of the cancer. oh wow. um uh, yeah, roger yeah. Ebert. Roger, roger ebert. ebert yes sorry roger oh yeah. roger ebert was asked um like what i forget the exact quote or the exact question but the gist of it was you know why are you so you know attracted to film why, why is film like your fascination and he said something to the effect of well with, with film it gives you the opportunity anyone anywhere uh to to empathize with a fellow human being because you actually for two hours you, you live you you are put in their world and you see the world you know a little bit from their perspective and from their eyes and that's the power of film and to me as a performer, I, I imagine that, well, you know, maybe that's a way we can help, uh, you know, more men, for example, in this case, you know, who are clearly continuing this millennial, you know, throughout the ages, toxic masculinity, maybe more of these men could learn the life experience of a Leo and go, exactly. oh, wow. And this you is can, a great segue. Thank you, you for segueing. And still... <laughs> you know retain your strong masculine qualities that you imagine uh, make you a man that you don't want to lose well they're not threatened if you listen to a woman they're not threatened if you you know if you express some compassion or if you are you know kind you're still you can still have strong biceps or whatever else you think you need to be you know i mean and that, when i saw that gillette commercial i'm like i don't i don't I'm, I'm trying to figure out how I'm supposed to be offended as a man by this commercial. It just seems like a lot of stuff that men. I just think it's a bad cover. commercial anyway, but, but I think you're, you're bringing in a good point. It's a good segue to talk about Leo's movie, the shift, which I just watched. Yeah. I want to hear about this. On What's Amazon this prime. Love so why don't you talk about you? Cause yeah. personally I, I watched it today. I, when we met, I think we met in 2015 and we talked about your movie. I think you had just released it or um, something like that. I just had watched the YouTube clip and I didn't watch the movie, but I watched it today. I think it is very, very well done. I think maybe when you released it, it was ahead of its time. Yeah. Because it deals, it, it's, it's so like in the moment now. It's so good. It has so many... Um, topics in it that we're talking about now i mean it had ethics uh gnr end of life which is a hot topic right now um it kind of had an angel of death scenario in it had a lot of male nice. nurses in it which is awesome i so you know so so many and it, i was like oh my gosh this is so ahead of your time and you wrote the script yourself right i did i did um i think it, talking about what you were talking about, Mark, I think the reason why I got into film and into acting was, I, forget that, fuck that. I know I got into it. I, I got into it because I sat there one day and I was doing a pantomime in class, in theater, on stage, and I pantomimed suicide so that I could have people see something different and it started a conversation. And 
that's what sure. my goal has constantly been because after you're sitting in a, in a classroom of 16 and 15 and 17 year olds in high school and all of a sudden kids are sitting and talking to you about, uh, you know, my friend passed away because he did this or she did that or I thought about it this one time and you open up this opportunity for conversation, which is what I think film is about. You can touch people by touching on things that no one else wants to touch about, but just to give them the opportunity for while they're sitting there in the theater to say, I'm not alone in feeling this way. This right. is not a foreign thing. Wait, he's talking about it so I can talk about it. And then that's where the shift came from. I, I sat down and I was writing. It started off as I just wanted to write one scene just to see what it could be. And it turned into a feature dealing with end of life. And the scariest thing, which is for me, not just losing a family, but being the person that lets my family go or deals with the loss of a family member that I had the ability to keep them from dying or allowing them to die. That, that aspect of it. So that's where the euthanasia and, and end of life comes into play. And the film took a life of its own, which, which you have to let it do, right? I mean, any project that starts to grow, it grows on its own, but it all stemmed from the idea of how do we how do we touch on a subject that's very touchy that no one wants to deal with and this was back in 2015 it was a it's it's a really important topic right now but it was very important back then and even before that there were multiple cases sure. dealing with end of life care and decision making process and all that stuff and I don't know. I, I wrote the movie and then it just had to be made. And it was a process of trying to figure out how to get it done. And dealing with end of life care is what it really, really is all about. That whole movie takes you from, takes you through the course of one 12 hour night shift mm -hmm. in the ER where I'm training a brand new nurse and I'm a jaded nurse that's been doing it for 10 years kind of thing. And who's dealing with his own demons as well. Yeah, because you have. And we you have don't even time. know. It, uh, what I really liked is it, like you slowly reveal towards the end of the film what is going on, mm -hmm. you know. Which, which again goes back to the idea that there's so much more. It's another, something else that always fascinates me. I mean, there's so much more going on behind the scenes with people. Um, yes. And then we allow ourselves to even take in because I'm so focused on I got to be on a podcast and I got to I got to shoot an audition for something else and I got to go to set and I got to go to the gym tomorrow. But I'm not taking into consideration that, you know, there's again, it's empathy, but someone that cuts me off on the way to the gym they're they're I might be like, you asshole, like, what the, what the fuck's your problem? But they might be headed to the hospital because somebody's sick or they might be, you know, we, we fail to take other people into consideration. I think the way that you do that is by showing that there's another side to things, showing the darker side to things. Again, that's why I play the darker characters because I feel like there's an opportunity to shed some light on the reasons why people are the way they are. They're also more fun to play, the darker characters. A lot of dark characters. I had told you before, like after I had met with you, I told one of my neighbors, uh, about you and she was so excited because she's always like into like our neighbors who are actors and she's like they're not real actors they just say they're actors but when I told her I met you she went to the library and checked out all your CSI stuff right Where <laughs> and she became a super fan she's like that Leo guy your friend she's from New York and she's Puerto Rican she goes he's a good actor he's good she goes, oh. <laughs> 
if I get if I've gotten approval from a New York Puerto Rican, a New Yorkican, then I'm happy. I yeah, that's that, right. right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and now that your movie is on Prime, I'm gonna send it to her and stuff. But yeah, but she she was a super fan. She goes, that guy. She goes, I checked out all his stuff at the library. He's a good actor <laughs> because you played the psych patient as well, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I played a, I played a psych patient on NCIS LA. Um, I, I mean, as dark as it gets, I played an assassin on one thing, and then I just played a hitman on another thing. Um, so, it, and then now the, the, the bodybuilding movie is a psycho sociopath. I mean, it, Interesting. it keeps going down the same, the same route. Yeah. That's very, um, that's very interesting. But you were, you were also a cop on I Love Dick, right? That was I very was. funny. Oh my God. Kind of like a Lieutenant Frank. Okay. Kind of like Lieutenant Frank. It's it's one really? of the it's one of the end episodes. Yeah. He kind yeah. of plays similar to your character. He's kind of wacky and he has to carry her away like a naked girl. Right? Yeah. Okay. Which you know what's funny was I was suggested that I take that down again because of the Me Too movement, all that stuff and people being like it's a little uncomfortable with having a naked female on there. I'm like but it's a female run. It's a female run show. It it was written and produced all the way up. But yeah, I'm I am escorting naked females who are taking a stand for what they believe in because they're right. disturbing the peace, basically. In this, in, in the, <laughs> I think it's uh, episode six. It's um, like the, one of the end. It was a very short. Um, it was uh, a quick scene. It made was a for TV, scene. made for Amazon. Uh, show right mm -hmm. so it was a very short i think there's only like what six or eight episodes something like that yeah, six or eight episodes they did one season they didn't unfortunately they didn't get picked up for a second one they were gonna they were like we need to expand your character i'm like by all means <laughs> <laughs> you check it out mark it is a it is a, like a lieutenant frank so mark tell us about you played a nurse on tv so yeah man what, what did you play a nurse on? Well, it was, uh, I didn't have lines, but it was the very first TV role I ever did. Um, Nurses are better seen, not heard. No, right. That's a doctor. Right. right. <laughs> Just kidding, doctor. It reminds me of being on House a couple episodes. <laughs> <laughs> now, on, uh, it was Trauma. Uh, they shot it on Treasure Island. This is back when I was up in the Bay Area. Oh, wow. Um, and yeah, I played, that was my very first acting, paid acting gig was uh, as a male nurse on trauma. Nice. And yeah, you could see me in a couple of scenes, just, you know, rushing around in the ER and like stuff's happening and, you know, <laughs> movement. I, I remember that uh, someone on a steady, steady cam, I was like trying to like get out of their way. And like, I think I, ran into something and this was back when i was non-union so <laughs> today i'd be able to like i uh, probably need a stunt bump for that or yeah but back then i was non-union so you know no you're just happy to have a job at that point yeah. i was i didn't even i couldn't even spell union you know <laughs> um but yeah so it's uh that's and i think i've played i've been on a couple different hospital procedurals um in different roles but uh yeah, most of my most of my lines have yet to be in SAG after work. It's with what Lieutenant Frank does, and <laughs> I just emceed a, um, at the Viper Room for New Year's Eve. Um, nice. My buddy Freddie Morales has a uh, Depeche Mode tribute band devotional. They were um, 
they were the main act uh, in a show he produced called uh, New Wave New Year's. And um, yeah, and then like, you know, the stuff that Lieutenant Frank does, like he was on KLA Channel 5, um, saying crazy shit at the uh, Cowboys-Rams game, uh, uh, the playoffs a couple weeks ago. So yeah, that's... uh, interesting so my my nursing thing is kind of kind of limited but it's how i started in the in tv work yeah you had told me you walked in on set and it was very much like a hospital like a set hospital oh yeah oh yeah okay so let me say this um up until that point i had a really just could not deal with being in real hospitals like they creep me the fuck out sick people (laughs) You know, there's probably dead people, dying people. It just, you know, it just, the whole thing is just like creeps me the fuck out. And this is even after I kind of like mostly got over being, you know, uh, I wrote a poem called the son of Elmer Gantry's bitch. And that's me. I'm, I'm the son. So like, that's part of the things I have to struggle through with in life. So even though I got most of the religious shit out of my head, so I could actually make you know functional decisions as a rational adult, I I still in the hospitals I felt like there was some mystical evil thing going on. I just didn't like, I didn't like the energy. Yeah, my chakras felt blocked. It was not good. But I go onto this set for trauma, and it's like it, they built this on this soundstage on Treasure Island, this big huge warehouse, and it it was. NBC money, so it was yeah. well, yeah, well appointed, uh, very well dressed set, you know, plenty of props, everything. You literally felt like you were in a hospital ER, and I felt awesome. I didn't feel <laughs> weirded out. I didn't feel creeped out. I was like, "This is awesome!" Yes. And ever since, every set I've ever been on, uh. I felt that way, but I kind of feel like if I had to go to a hospital again, I'd be a little weird. Although since after that, when I have gone to hospitals, because of my film TV experience, I'm able to somehow kind of like process it better. It's weird. It's almost like working as an actor on set um, was kind of like a, what people go to church for, I got as a working actor on set. Is that blasphemous? Am I going to be? Can we do that on this podcast? Do they do allow this sort of talk? <laughs> sure. You're allowed to be yourself. You're allowed to be yourself. That's what Even it's if all you're about. The son of Elmer Gantry's bitch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just we'll just put a, a a link to your podcast and people can Mark listen Roman to it Empire, there. also a podcast. That's right. That's right. So Leo on your movie, the shift, I thought it was very well done. It, it felt very real because it was all written by a nurse staged by a nurse. Right. Yeah. I mean, because you, you watch certain shows and, and the majority of medical shows that are out there, they have like doctors taking blood pressures and doing all kinds of weird stuff that doctors don't even know how to do. And it, it gives, the perception to the audience that oh it's the it's all about the doctor and the nurses are very subservient roles like they just you know clean people or do bedpan work or hang up coats for the physicians they don't understand really the role of what we do and how important it is and and it's mostly the nurses who do everything 
Well, I mean, on my normal shift, I tend to check all of my doctor's lab coats and I think <laughs> on their stethoscopes and I put their gloves on for them. Um, wow. No, it, it's funny because I think, again, you watch TV and you look at movies and you do this in order to hopefully suspend some reality and have some more control. They get the hottest looking doctors to do everything. And then a lot of times they'll try to grab the frumpy looking nurse. And that's just the, the example of what it is that they're trying to put up on TV. The stereotype. The, the stereotype, right? Um, yeah. But at the end of the day, the patients know. The real patients that, that we see oh, yeah. on a regular basis, the people that actually go to a hospital. And if the person in front of the TV stops for a second and thinks, the last time that I was in the hospital, I spent about 80% of my time with the nurse and about 20% of my time trying to catch the doctor. Because again, especially in an ER, the doctor's got 15 patients and they're running between all of them. And it's our job to manage the patient from a nursing perspective. So it's a very different dynamic. TV has created this world of what medicine is for the sake of it fitting the world of TV, right? You can only have a certain number of characters that you can really connect with and you really want them to love the doctors. And I get it because doctors are the big deal. Um, they're, I have a hard time auditioning for for shows that are medical related because of that issue. Really, I've turned down a few things that I've I've read and I told my 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 manager, my agent. I'm like, I just can't. I, I really is it? And they thought like it might be something. I understand this. Yeah, you. No, here's my. I have a buddy. Right? It's similar. He's uh, not in medicine. He's in law enforcement. That's his background. He he's done doctor. everything from be like a beat cop to uh, be a sheriff, you know, a prison guard. Uh, he's worked as a SWAT, um, and he's even been a U.S. Marshal. And he's now become an actor. Um, he'll be on sets, and he'll be like, uh, he'll have like these arguments with a friend. <laughs> the last one he shared with me, he was on something, and a wardrobe was like saying because they wanted him. It was a positioning of like the the gun belt. Uh, or like tucking in the shirt. And I think they wanted the shirt tucked in. And he said, look, I've actually done this exact work that we're filming in the scene as a cop for multiple jurisdictions. And we never worried about it. It was never tucked in. She's yeah. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to need to have you tuck it. And he finally just, yeah. So it was like that kind of little conflict. And you share that with me. And I thought it was hilarious. But like, it reminds me of what you're talking about now. And it's got to be tough because there is, you've got this director's vision and a writer's vision and you know the look and mojo of the show although these things have evolved like i i was a little kid i grew up and i remember watching emergency oh i loved emergency oh my and, god yeah but and then like the show i was on trauma and they actually had uh the guy the actor who played roy on um on emergency he was yeah, in an episode of trauma yeah. yeah and it was really kind of seen as like a, a you know emergency for today and when you look at the differences clearly there's production value differences but the stories to me and again i'm not in the field of medicine but it's i saw an evolution of you know from like the old dragnet days of kind of you know this is what the you know this is what a, uh, a trauma room is like this is what you know cops and and firemen are like too something a little more visceral a little more closer to reality it's not exactly you know defined by reality and as leo is frustrated here it, it, and my buddy who's a cop 
in the past is also frustrating. I, I, I'm hearing that tension as a guy. I'm listening to it, but it's. Uh, I feel like there's been an evolution, and it continues to evolve. Well, there's something you also have to take back, right? Because let's say I do one of these shows and I'm doing some crazy shit on TV <laughs> as a nurse or as a doctor. And then the next day I'm at work and they're like, why would, why would you do that? It's, yeah, it's a paycheck or yeah, it's an opportunity. But at the same time, it's like, I want to stay as true to the job and the profession that's given me the opportunity that I've gotten in my life so far as right. true as I can to it. And if you're telling me that I'm supposed to turn to a doctor and be like, he's got a blood pressure of 20 over five. <laughs> and I'm right. And like, what does that mean? That doesn't, you know, it doesn't make sense. But that's, again, the writer's vision or the, you know. Right. And I think a lot of these writers have never even been in a hospital from what I've seen. I wrote a whole article a few years ago about nurses in the media. And it was atrocious what I was watching. I don't watch medical shows because it's, it's kind of disgusting. I mean, in your movie, I thought it was very realistic in the shift. I mean, you're running a code. That was awesome, which, which happens, you well, know. From an acting perspective, I trained my actors. I grabbed my actors and I said, I need you guys. Specifically, there's one that's a STEMI, right? There's one where the guy mm -hmm. codes and he's a STEMI. Yeah, yeah. And I trained those actors. I said, I know both sides of it. I know the nursing side. I know the acting side. I don't know what we need to capture for the acting side. But I need you guys to know that in a real code situation, we're just going. It's yeah. not, you're not beating, sweating, dying. Oh my God. Can I'm I interrupt for a sec? You guys said, you guys are talking medical speak here. Okay. Code explain situation. to Mark, what's, explain what's to Mark what, what a STEMI is. Okay. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. I want yeah. I'm not clocked in, but I'm working, right? They're like um, a gummy bear, but medical? Like, what is It's amazing. STEMI? It's a STEMI bear. Um, STEMI bear. Okay. You know, so, <laughs> Sounds uh, fun. <laughs> what does it do? It. What does it. it taste like? <laughs> a STEMI is, is a heart attack, basically. It's uh, what? what we call, uh, yeah, an ST elevation uh, MI. So it's, it's a, a certain, bad red gummy bear. It's a very, very bad one. It's like when you're like, oh, this looks good, and then it's not, and it burns right here in your chest. Yeah. Ouch. Um, it's a specific – the guy has a heart attack in the movie because there's a – on the EKG rhythm, right? When you see on – every single TV show has that EKG rhythm strip, which is like a – I'm with heart. you. There's a specific way that that heartbeat looks, and it's supposed to look. If it looks in right. a different way than that, you're normally having problems with your heart, either conductivity, which is the electrical aspect of it, or it's the actual blood flow. It all leads to problems with muscle and perfusion and all that stuff. The guy in the movie basically codes. A code, there are multiple different types of codes, but normally when you say code and we say code, you're referring to a code blue, which means heart stops, they stop breathing, and they're basically dead. Um, we call it a code because everybody gets there and you're trying to revive this person and bring them back. Because uh, they're walking towards the light. They're, they're, they're at the door about Dr. to Dr. House it. is like having a conversation about a Snickers bar, you know, two <laughs> floors up. Yes, yes. And Got it. you shouldn't be doing that. So we try to bring you back. We drag you back by your toes as best as we can. But in the movie, I had... I had, and again, like right now, you're like, hey, you're, you guys are talking code. Literally, we're talking a specific language that it needs mm -hmm. to be fluid for it to be real. They don't take that time a lot of times that I know of on these shows. They have somebody sitting there and they're like, how do, how do you say metopralo? They're learning how to say words, but they don't know what they mean and they don't know the weight of the words. So I literally had like a, a, um, 
like a, a clinic with my actors. And I said, I'm just going to have you. Medical terminology 101. Yeah. <laughs> Medical terminology and where it fits in in this situation. And you're standing in a troponin. I need uh, give them a liter of fluid. All these words sound just like blah, vomit. But to mm-hmm. us, it's we're speaking a language basically that gets things done a lot quicker and a lot safer for the patient. Sounds like you should be a technical advisor on these medical he, shows. He should. And I think your movie should be like, this is what you do. And this is what a medical drama needs to look like or a hospital drama. This is what nurses do. Maybe this is Leo how they needs act. to write a medical procedural show. Leo started yeah. to. Is that a crazy yeah. idea? No. Uh, Leo, Leo started to. The, the industry in itself does not have the capacity to understand that in all honesty, at the end of the day, it's about everybody involved, including the patients, the doctors, the nurses, the clerical staff. Exactly. They want five main characters and they want it to be about who's having sex with who in the broom closet, in the medication room. Right. Because that really happens. And it does, but that's not what it's all about. That should be a side thing that comes in at some point. Right. So I want to know the backstory of the broom. Okay. The broom, broom, yeah. The broom. What's the backstory there? What kind I mean, of broom? A, Where the does the broom come should from? Be about that, right? Like we should just talk How about. Does it get maintained? The These broom. Are questions. People want answers. I, I think the broom should be voiceover for the entire show. It should be the broom's perspective of the yeah. entire. Show. <laughs> That's a good right. one. That's the that. narrator, but you don't know that the broom is the it's narrator. Very South Park. Episode five. Yeah, it's very South season. Park. Hey. It's me over here. No, not that guy dying in the corner. The, the, broom, the broom right behind him. Nah, he's just coding. Hey, you've seen one code, you've seen them all. Okay. Seen them all. Everybody wants to be a fly on the wall. How about a broom <laughs> against the wall? A broom against right. the wall. New concept, new concept. Maybe yeah. uh, maybe you should talk to the folks over at Amazon. They already took your feature there. You know? yeah. Say, they, pitch uh, them uh, the broom against the wall. <laughs> Ten episodes. Got ten episodes in here. Ten episodes. I got it, man. Eyes closed. I I know how to live the life of a brew, man. Life of a brew. Yeah, I think I think we've uh, I think you know something just got created here. <laughs> I'll give you guys. I'll give you guys rights. I'll give you. Guys <laughs> just made, I just All yours, Leo. All yours. Oh, <laughs> in the credits. If you at need the a end. voiceover for the broom, <laughs> I got the guy. Feeling kind of broomy. Just saying. I've held brooms. I've used brooms, you know. <laughs> so funny. Just to tie this up, I just want to go over some stats about men in nursing. Um, so the, I just got this out of advisory.com, and uh, I believe it came out a few months ago. Men account for only 13% of nurses nationwide, um, and that's from the Washington Center of for Equitable Growth. I can't read tonight. Um why do men become nurses? Uh, this narrative that men can't provide care in the way that women can is part of that broad cultural narrative that misunderstands what nursing's all about. Okay, so what is nursing all about through a man's perspective, Leo? I think it's the same thing as it would be through a woman's perspective, which is providing the best care possible every moment that you're there. It's something that I learned early on. I had my first patient. I got all like the sad stories. I'm sorry, guys. It's the <laughs> uh, 
the first patient I ever had was a guy who had had a traumatic brain injury and he was a vegetable in a bed. Literally, there was no other way to put it. And it broke my heart to be taking care of this guy who was in his late forties and his family's pictures were there in front of him. And it was the first patient I ever had. It was in clinical. I was still studying to be a nurse. And I went home and I told my dad, I'm like, I don't know how you do this. And that's when I learned again, my dad, we're not adopting. I'm sorry, Mark. Um, but he, <laughs> he told me, he's like, you just hey, have to know that. At, at have that you met, time, I haven't even met your dad. You know, maybe, you know. <laughs> I mean, he might like you. He might like you a lot. Right? Just take you under his wing. I don't have to be the favorite. <laughs> I just need to be there. I'm adopted. So, you know, um, you have to deal with that baggage. There was, a, there was an aspect of it that my dad just said, you have to do the best you can while you're there and do everything that you can while you're there so that you don't go home and then question what you did in the moment. And I think that's true to life and anything, right? We, you don't, you're not promised the next second. We could all have a STEMI right now and we could all it's die. Very true. But if you're living in this moment and you do this to the best possible uh, aspect of your ability, right? Then the next moment can only be better because of it. And I think that's what nursing is about for me doing the best that I can in the moment while I'm helping another nurse, helping a patient, helping a doctor. And it's selfish. In the end, it's selfish because I enjoy it. I enjoy the fact that I, I make somebody feel good. I think that's awesome. I mean, from the data and the research I was doing today that I've been collecting, it says more millennials are looking into the nursing profession. They're more open to it. You said um, more millennials or more, more millennials. Men? More, more millennials, millennial Mormon men, millennial men are open to becoming nurses. And I also think it's because too, like a lot of the blue collar jobs are going by the wayside because of technology. Yeah, right. So it is, it is a manual labor type job, which I think can draw men to because you're doing stuff, you're moving, you're lifting, you're, you're, you know, it, it is mechanical in a sort, you're using your hands in, in various aspects, whereas in technology, you don't really get to do that, you know? So, so I think people who want to express that part of themselves, I, I think it's a great profession to go into and do that as well. You know, it serves, it serves a bunch of different aspects. I mean, at the end of the day, you're, you're feeding, I found a part of myself in nursing that I didn't know I had, which was a deeper level of empathy. You know, I, I knew how to care really? them Interesting. in actually being there. Yeah. Cause it, you know, they're ER and ICU are two different worlds, right? The intensive care unit, <clears throat> you might see patients, uh, ER, you might see patients for a few hours and they're gone and you won't see them again unless something happens and they come back in. But in an ICU, sometimes you'll have patients there for a month. Um, yeah. For a long time. People. Yeah. And, it, and it's, you, you develop a connection to that patient, to their parent, to their family members, uh, you know, you work together as a team taking care of this patient. It's a, it's a whole dynamic that nobody really understands unless you've been there, yeah. you know. Um, you deal with their care as much as you deal with their passing. And then that... that is very true. And then, and then the family becomes your patient and you're taking care of them through the course of coping with it while they're still there in the hospital. You know, there's... Uh, yeah. I learned a lot with nursing. Keep learning a lot. 
In the New York Times article that I pulled that just came out a couple of weeks ago, um, it says that the men that they surveyed in this one study, uh, they asked them why they were drawn to nursing. So some were drawn to the caregiving, others the adrenaline of the work. Uh, it's reliable, it's well-paying job at a time when that's hard to come by. Uh, which I agree. I mean, you can, I think nursing is so broad, you could do so many things in it now. And I think the profession just keeps growing with the amount of stuff that you can do. Uh, and yeah, there trying, is a creative aspect to it as well. I'm trying to, I'm trying to transition to an onset advisor now. There we go. See, there you go. I think it would be great. Technical advisor. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you've already had the base. You've done it you know how to provide the class for it yeah. and now you just gotta sell it now i gotta but sell it now i gotta you've it. created a film that could be seen on amazon about i should it. make a movie i should make a movie about nursing and get it out to the masses and show people that i know what i'm doing you should yeah it's called the shift <laughs> it's already made okay well, gentlemen, anything you'd like to add about toxic masculinity? What's going on? Where Let's do we go from here? Masculinity, not so toxic. <laughs> let's that. change the verbiage, right? Yeah, let's let's just be let's just be human beings. I agree. I hear where you're coming from, Leo. But I think there's a lot of dudes that just need to squarely face the toxic part and realize that if they do that, you know, the, the masculinity is not going away. Yeah. If anything, it's going gonna, it's gonna to improve. It's going to become better. It, what people are upset about is not masculinity. At all. It's the toxic part. That's why toxic, it's a, what is that, an adjective, adverb? Well, it's very English negative. English teacher mother is going to be upset here, but it's a modifier. Yes. Okay. Well, it's just like so, calling women that are feminists. I mean, fa I've never considered myself a feminist and I was born in the seventies and I had a very liberal mother who worked, um, and, and, you know, was able to hold her own, even though she was married to my father, still is married to my father, but still I never considered myself a feminist. I've always been drawn away because I think it has a negative term. It's just, I don't know. It just feels negative to me. I've always been an equalist. It's like, let's just be equal. You know? The problem is that is it hasn't been equal and that it's literally, we've been living in patriarchy for millennia. I, I get where you're coming from, Rosilly, on that because I grew up very conservative, Republican, Christian. And, you know, I remember listening to, to Rush Limbaugh and he's talking about, you know, feminazis. So I get that side of the argument. Um, you know, going going through the big short, uh, and then uh, becoming creative and entering the acting profession and starting to do stand up comedy. I've I've come to empathize, <laughs> and now I'm on the, the other side, and I'm like, hmm, I I just I don't. What's wrong with being a feminist? Like I consider I, I myself like a feminist like trainee. Like I don't. I feel like I have a lot to learn as a dude, um, but I don't. I, I'm. I don't know why feminist has to be a bad, a bad word. I, I just or think we should all just be men. equal. It shouldn't be like we're not. patriarchal. But well, we're I think not. that's that's where we have to go as a 
as a world, you know, I, I mean, it, it's a long way to go, I'm sure. But um, it's good to start the discussion, but it's just weird. <laughs> it's just well, any, weird Well, anytime you, as a culture you change, change can be very scary to yeah. a lot of people. And it's, you know, and, and sometimes it's maybe stepping back and, and asking oneself, okay, am I, why am I scared? Is it, you know, is it just that I'm, I'm not accustomed to this? Is that what it is? Like, what is actually frightening about this to me? And, you know, maybe it's an opportunity. We, you know, we all learn new things, you know, create new patterns, new behaviors, and that can be a good thing, you know? Doesn't I think that's scary. an excellent point. That's excellent. All righty. Thank you so much, gentlemen. Mark, Leo, anything you guys want to pit, uh, promote, pitch? I know, Mark, you, want, you're, you have your podcast markromanempire.com and uh also vegas90210.com oh and i guess if people like lieutenant frank and they think that there should be a host to the oscars if you go to vegas90210.com and click oscars you can yeah. vote and maybe be the 41st person to vote <laughs> to sign the petition and say yes lieutenant <laughs> frank should host the oscars but hurry because the oscars are in like a couple weeks and <laughs> lieutenant frank's gonna need at least a week to prepare Yes. So if you're going to vote in mass, get all your friends to vote. Like, do it now. Do it now. Vote now. Vegas90210.com. Click Oscars. <laughs> Leo, anything you'd like to promote? Yeah. Uh, I say – sounds weird, right? I'm going to sound like a hippie, but promote love. I just – whatever you guys want to do, whatever you love doing, go after it and get it done. I, I'm, I'm in pursuit of my next project 100%. You guys can check it out on uh on instagram if you follow me at oliva pro o-l-i-v-a-p-r-o or you can find me on facebook leo oliva actor and um i'm doing daily posts after every single workout keeping track of the gains the struggle and overcoming the difficulty to get something like this off the ground this story that i'm trying to tell about pursuing our dreams uh yeah check it out and you can watch The Shift on Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime. All right. Great. Thank you so much, gentlemen. Have a good evening. Thanks, Ursulia. Thank you for listening to another episode of Nurses and Hypochondriacs. We would so appreciate you giving us a five-star rating. And don't forget to download the Nurse Backpack app. It's free. It's easy to use. It's great credential management. It's secure. It's safe. It gives you expiration date reminders, puts together a resume package for you, and you get the ability to send documents and your resume to anyone. Go ahead, download the app today. The link is at the end of the podcast notes. Also follow us at Nurses and Hypochondriacs on Facebook, Nurses and Hypochon on Twitter, and on Instagram, we're under Rogue Nurse Media. Till next time. <laughs>